In the Ring with Eusebius Makaiser. Eusebius Makaiser. So I wrote an article that was published on Monday, the 14th of February, and it got enormous responses on timeslive.co.za. I would love you to read it. It was entitled, Did You Notice Ramaphosa Blackmailed You on Thursday? Thursday being a reference to the State of the Nation Address. And I thought it would be useful for those of you who don't like reading, which is none of you, because I know that you love reading, but nevertheless to do an audio summary of some of the main points and to expand on one or two points in response to some reader feedback. But I've got a link to the article in the blurb description of this podcast episode. Alternatively, just Google, did you notice Ramaphosa blackmailed you on Thursday? Um, or just go on our website, which I hope that you do regularly, by the way, timeslive.co.za. I was intrigued by the very last part of the State of the Nation address because I thought that it got little attention in the analyses subsequently. And I want to read it, and then I want to tell you why I think very seriously. I don't mean this as a gimmick, as clickbait. Very seriously, this amounts to a form of emotional blackmail. The president said the following. Our country has suffered several damaging blows in recent times. A confluence of forces, many of them outside our control, has brought us to where we are now. We face steep and daunting challenges. Indeed, we are engaged in a battle for the soul of this country. But there can be no doubt that we will win. I ask every South African to rally together in our fight against corruption, in our fight to create jobs, in our fight to achieve a more just and equal society. We have faced many crises in our past, and we have overcome them. We have been confronted with difficult choices, and we have made them. In trying times, we have shown courage and resilience. Time and time again, we have pulled ourselves back from the brink of despair and inspired hope, renewal, and progress. We must do so again. Let us forge a new consensus to confront a new reality, a consensus that unites us behind our shared determination to reform our economy and rebuild our institutions. Let us go to work, let us rebuild our country, and let us leave no one behind. I thank you. And that's how we ended this speech. Now, it kind of bothered me. I spoke to a couple of people about it. I had a chat with my dad. It even came up in my therapy session just while we were clearing our throats before getting into the business of therapy. And I, I then meditated on it for a couple of days before I wrote the piece because I realized what it was that bothered me. And that entire, entire stretch that I just performed bothered me. But in particular, within it, I think the couple of sentences that I found the most annoying where I want to locate my charge of emotional blackmail are the sentences where he says, and, and please listen very carefully to the wording. I'm not being melodramatic in accusing him of blackmail. I really mean it. And the following two sentences are critical to the analysis that I want to share with you. In trying times, the president says, we have shown courage and resilience. Time and time again, we have pulled ourselves back from the brink of despair and inspired hope, renewal and progress. And then the crucial bit. Now we must do so again. Now, I mean, in terms of intentionality, right? You know, I don't think the president walked to the podium intending to blackmail you. 
I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I think he's a nice guy. I also think he believed the words that I've just read out to you. And I think he internalized it, which is why he could deliver it sincerely. And in fact, he delivered it so calmly and so sincerely that you were probably not even thinking critically about what he was saying. But it's my job as a broadcaster, as an analyst, as someone who is located within public discourse to make you think about these things twice. You don't have to agree with me, but I am provoking you into thinking critically about the president, even when he makes you feel good. Because at an ethics or emotion level, I think many of you probably felt pretty good about our country's chances of pulling ourselves back from the proverbial brink again when he delivered that coda to his speech. But the reason I think it's blackmail is because you look into the camera speaking to millions of South Africans who are hurtful for good reason. People who live under conditions of relative poverty, extreme poverty, working class people who are underemployed and feel like they're on the brink of being destitute, middle class South Africans who are constantly being fleeced with high personal income tax besides VAT, and at the same time have got to opt out of state services, not because we are anti-state, but because there's so much corruption within the state and poor quality of services in health and education, not to mention an inability on the part of the SAPs to keep you and I safe, that you end up not only being fleeced in terms of taxes, but you then at any rate have got to pay for private services to be delivered, security, health, education, services that the state should be paying for. In that context, now I want to come back to the speech immediately, in that context, for the president to ask you to be resilient and to appeal to memories that you have of having pulled yourself back from the brink, he doesn't say this, but it's implied, of civil war in the lead up to 1994, in that context, I think his message amounts to emotional blackmail because it appeals to the exceptionalism narrative about South Africa and it wants you to feel guilty if you are not resilient. But you can't feel guilty for not being resilient because there's a limit to how much resilience you are expected reasonably to have. I mean, let's take an analogy from personal life. You might have been resilient if you got hoodwinked, abused in a relationship, beaten up. But the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time that that happens, you cannot be expected to permanently be strong. At some point, you're going to run out of reserves and just collapse, and quite frankly, that's reasonable. But if you have family members, if you have society telling you, remember to be resilient like you were in your first marriage, remember to be resilient like you were in that job you had two years ago, so you can use the same resilience to face up to bullies in your new job, that shifts the burden. It's a form of victim blaming, and also it ramps up the expectation that the victim and the survivor should permanently be scaffolding the sins of the perpetrator. Now, that analogy applies to politics too. What the president is doing here is to basically shift analyses away from a corrupt and a morally spent ANC-led government and to say to citizens collectively, 
let me tap into nostalgia and then set you up for the duty to substitute ANC failures with your own resilience. And I just think that that is callous. I think it is unreasonable. And I think that that kind of appeal to historical memory of when you and I did manage to be resilient has got its inherent limitations. Because after a couple of decades of being in charge of the state, this ANC government is unable to deliver on that much-punted slogan, a better life for all. But what the president is trying to do here is to say to you, you can do it. Not we as ANC will do better being in charge of the state, but that you can do it as a private citizen and a civil society collectively. Now, let me just be clear. Final thought. I'm not suggesting that you don't have agency. I'm not suggesting that the state is the beginning and the end of the solution space for our collective problems. Of course, civil society is important. Individual agency must be activated as well. And we haven't even spoken about the duty of big business to also come to the party. So each one of us as stakeholders who are collectively interested in building a South Africa that works, of course, we must all leverage our agencies and collectively forge a new consensus. But what I don't have time for is a dishonest state of the nation addressed that fundamentally shifts the blame in a very subtle way in a beautifully delivered narrative that appeals to historical memory of when we did well collectively. Because what that does is that it, it makes you feel, oh my God, I'm not entitled to be angry. I'm overreacting. But you're not overreacting. On the expanded definition of unemployment, 47% of South Africans who can work are not working. It is much higher than that for young people up to the age of 24. The economy is not growing. We can't do anything about our unemployment stats unless the economy is growing 5-6% sustainably year in, year out. And the predictions for the next couple of years are not even 2%. Don't even get me started on what is a worse social malaise because it correlates with not just violence but also gratuitous violence and that is both income as well as asset inequalities. And then what can complete that dire economic statement is, of course, the reality of poverty in this country and how that plays out. Now, in that context, it is really brutal, dishonest, and callous of the president to try and imply that we should take equal responsibility for that consensus that we need to forge in trying to restore this country to some sort of semblance of health. Because what he's not taking responsibility for is how we got here. And how we got here is as a result of an ANC government in cahoots with private interest stealing from you and me, and he wants you to have amnesia and to not use your deep experiential knowledge of the failures of the ANC-led government as a basis for pessimism going forward. Worse, he then wants you to take responsibility for repairing the state of the nation instead of actually offering his resignation and saying, that's it, we as the ANC don't deserve to be in charge. Obviously he won't, he's careerist, obviously the ANC won't, but I think you and I as citizens, 
I've got to think very carefully and deeply about the national elections in 2024.